The Jerusalem Channel is made possible by viewer support. Thanks for watching. From the Sea of Galilee to the desert wilderness of the Negev, Israel is the living embodiment of God's covenant promises. What happens in Israel shapes the destiny of the world, and its eternal capital, Jerusalem, is never far from the news. Politicians may be confounded by the very presence of this tiny nation that's been restored after 2,000 years of exile by the Jewish people, but God's prophetic timetable is unfolding before our very eyes. The Jerusalem Channel provides a spiritual understanding of what's really happening in our world today, but we can only continue with your support. Please consider helping us to go and grow with this media ministry. You can make a gift through our website, our app, or by post. Our mailing address in the USA is Box 2768, Stanton, Virginia, 24402. In the UK, it's Box 109, Hereford, HR4 9XR. Keep informed and pray for the peace of Jerusalem by partnering with the Jerusalem Channel. A Christian author was quoted recently in the Jerusalem Post saying that we're living in the most significant and important time in Bible prophecy history, yet with the least amount of interest in the churches. There are so many distractions today. People are being pulled in many directions, and there's an information overload. Consequently, only a small percentage of churchgoers understand the biblical significance behind current events such as the recognition of Jerusalem as Israel's capital. The timetable concerning the ominous end-time peace deal of Daniel 9.27 is inevitable and fast approaching. But who's understanding the times? Jesus asked the question, will he find faith on the earth when he returns? Hello, I'm Christine Dark. Jesus asked a very searching question in Luke 18.8. Will he find faith on the earth when he returns? I certainly believe we're living in momentous end times, and we need faith to believe all that God has promised for the last days concerning the church, the resurrection of the nation of Israel, and reaping the end time harvest. I hope you agree and you're preparing yourself by building up your faith and trust in the Almighty. Faith is foundational to godly character. The saints of the Hebrew Scriptures were commended by God because of their faith. But in the Gospel accounts, the disciples of Jesus were dismayed because they couldn't cast out a demon from an afflicted boy. And privately, they came to Jesus and asked why they had failed. And this was his answer in Matthew 17, 20. Because he said, you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, 
and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. My question is, how do we measure up today? How is your level of faith? Is it at a standstill or is it increasing? You see, we dishonor God not to trust Him. We'll trust the pilot of an airplane, although we can't see behind the locked door of the cockpit. When we flip on a switch, we trust many appliances to work, although we haven't a clue how they work. And people are willing to trust medicines and vaccines, although they don't really know what's in them. How much more should we trust the creator of the universe? True Bible faith is an overpowering conviction that contradicts conventional thinking. Bible faith is so convinced of truth that it compels us to pursue God and His goals. I believe it's time to look again at the subject of faith because as time moves closer to the second coming of Jesus, we're going to experience the birth pains of Messiah in increasing intensity and our faith will be tested. Many tests and temptations are awaiting us, and we don't want our faith to fail, do we? Just recently, Hawaii went through the trauma of an alert for an incoming ballistic missile from North Korea before everyone learned it was a false alarm. What a wake-up call to the church. The residents of Hawaii were given a taste of what happens in Israel all the time. Israelis in the north of the country constantly deal with enemy fire from Syria. And at the same time, in the south, rockets are launched from Gaza into southern Israel. And the danger is very real. But as terrorism erupts in the west, it's critical for us not to hit the snooze button on the alarms that God in His mercy is sending us. We don't want to be caught off guard and spiritually unprepared. But the Bible warns in 1 Thessalonians 5.3 that when people are saying peace and safety, then sudden destruction will come upon them like travail upon a woman in childbirth, and they won't escape. In Acts 16, there was an earthquake in the Philippian jail. The jailkeeper was shaken to the core just as People in Hawaii certainly were shaken when they thought they had only minutes to live. In the Bible, the jailer cried out to Paul and Silas, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And that's certainly the question of the hour because we never know when disaster is going to hit or when the rapture will happen. They answered, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. That's saving faith. It's so important that we trust God completely for our salvation and for our health in these last days and to rest in the Lord's utter faithfulness. And I want to encourage you to believe that God will do precisely what He said He'll do in this Word. Faith is based upon our attitude towards this Word and toward God. You see, faith is not wishful thinking. It's confident Conviction, it's based on assurance that God's word is true and leads to confident action. Faith is reckoning the Bible to be true so that we boldly step out on God's word. First of all, faith is a gift from God, yet we're told that it can be increased. 
Romans 10:17 declares, faith comes by hearing and hearing by this word of God. I want to say what faith is not. Faith is not some energy or power that we can work up to a fevered pitch and make something happen if we concentrate hard enough. But whenever God makes a promise, a promise of healing, a promise of salvation, of deliverance, of power, forgiveness, a promise of answered prayer, in this word, no matter what that promise might be, we have access to these promises by faith. And the promises in this word can be ours by faith, no matter how impossible our situation appears to be. But the Apostle James in the New Testament admonished us not to be deceived into thinking that we can receive anything from God if we doubt. You see, God never honors doubt, but He honors faith. I frequently tell myself that God honors my faith at all times because faith is at the very core of our walk with God. It's absolutely critical that we have faith in God. Walking by faith and not by sight, not motivated by our physical senses. And whatever we need from the Lord, wisdom, peace, forgiveness, finances, health, mercy, answered prayers, all of these can be obtained if we're willing to trust God. After all, you're saved because you believed the gospel, because you responded in faith to gospel truth. And healing and deliverance happen the very same way. You believe the promises of God and then the healing or deliverance comes. Time is where we miss it. We must keep on believing God without doubting until our faith is proven and the healing manifests sooner or later. But it will manifest if we faint not. The bottom line in our walk with the Lord is believing this word of God. That's the power of faith when we believe what God said is true. So today we want to look at faith in action. Let's review Hebrews chapter 11, the chapter in the Bible known as the Hall of Fame or the Hall of Faith. Verse 1 of Hebrews 11 gives us a brief definition of faith of about 15 words, but it's by no means an exhaustive definition. I'm quoting from the NIV version. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we don't see. This is what the ancients were commended for, for by it the elders from the very beginning obtained a good report. Now, some translations render the Hebrews 11 definition of faith like this. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the conviction or evidence of things not seen. The things hoped for are not mere figments of our imagination because their basis is the substance of the Word of God. Faith is confident that we'll receive the good things we're hoping for, and by faith we already begin to enjoy and anticipate the answers in our souls. That's why when I find that I'm truly believing God, I have an inexplicable joy in my soul because I have an assurance that the answer is on the way. So biblical faith is a strong assurance in our hearts, a firm persuasion that the things we're believing for, based upon God's word and his promises, 
are coming to pass. True faith simply takes God at his word. I want you to say amen. Faith treats future blessings as if they already exist. Based upon God's integrity, faith believes what God has said. Every believer needs the firm conviction that if God said it, that's enough. So faith is essentially believing that what God said is true. Just because he said it, amen. On the other hand, if I ask for a sign from God, then I'm no longer in a state of faith. I've fallen down in the doldrums of doubt because I'm looking for proof. True living faith isn't blind faith. It's just confidence based upon an intimate knowledge of the evidence in God's word. Faith is also based upon knowledge of God's ways. So now let's review the Hall of Faith and see how the Bible heroes believe God and didn't question his integrity. Matthew Henry's commentary on Hebrews chapter 11 says that faith has always been the hallmark of God's servants from the beginning of the world. The first faith exploit described in Hebrews 11 belonged to Abel, the son of Adam and Eve. Abel worshiped God in the way that God prescribed. In Genesis chapter 4, by faith, Abel brought God a better offering than his brother Cain because Cain offered crops, the fruit of the ground. But Abel offered God the best of the firstborn lambs from his flock. So Abel's sacrifice was a blood sacrifice. Abel did the right thing, and yet he died because his brother was jealous. Cain murdered Abel. Think about that. This tells us that in life you can be killed for living by faith and doing the right thing. And to this truth, all the holy martyrs are witnesses. Nevertheless, they receive an eternal reward. Now let's look at verse 5 of Hebrews 11. By faith the man Enoch was taken from this life. He didn't experience death. He couldn't be found because God just took him. For before he was taken or snatched or raptured, Enoch was commended as one who pleased God. And it says here, without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to God must believe that he exists and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. There you have it. Enoch walked with God and God rewarded him. Enoch's faith pleased God and it's impossible to please God if you don't believe him. If you doubt God, you don't know him. If you doubt God, you're essentially calling him a liar. If you have doubts, you're double-minded and you won't receive anything from God. God's not going to reward a doubter. Hebrews 11:6 declares, He who comes to God must believe that he exists. So you and I must believe that God is the great I Am. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's the covenant-keeping God of Israel and the Father of our Lord Jesus, the Messiah. He is higher than all other so-called gods, which are really only demons in disguise. You see, if you study the world's religions, you'll discover that the God of Israel is unique. He's the Savior. He's the rewarder. He's the healer. The false gods never reward. They can't save and they can't heal. Now, next in the Hall of Faith, verse 7 is devoted to Noah. In this verse, we see how faith works with God. 
By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, built a holy ark to save his family. It's truly remarkable that Noah had the faith to obey God's strange instructions to build a large ark. He didn't question God. He had a holy reverential fear of God. Noah, in fact, had never seen rain, yet he obeyed God's instructions for 120 years, building a gigantic long boat on dry land to collect animals. While he was building the ark, Noah was a preacher of righteousness. He endured scoffing and mockery. Imagine his faith. It didn't start to rain until Noah and his family were safely ensconced inside the ark and God had shut the door. By faith, Noah just believed God and his faith was rewarded with the salvation of his family and ultimately the salvation of the human race. Next, Hebrews 11 describes the faith exploits of Abraham and Sarah. By faith, they left their comfortable homes to become nomads for God. Sarah was past childbearing age, but by faith, she received the strength to bear children because she considered God faithful who had made the promise. And Abraham passed the ultimate faith test concerning the binding of his son Isaac. Verse 13 says, All these people were still living by faith when they died. They didn't receive all the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from afar, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. What a testimony. I find it absolutely strengthening that these faith giants never fully received God's promises, but nevertheless they died in faith, trusting God to the very end, believing Him for resurrection power. Abraham was willing to sacrifice his own son Isaac because he was confident that God would raise Isaac from the dead. So faith looks into the future with assurance that God can be completely trusted. I've known of faithful believers who've died while their loved ones were yet unsaved. Years later, the loved ones eventually surrendered their hearts to the Lord. Of course, the patriarchs Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph are mentioned in Hebrews 11. These giants of faith accepted God's word on the face of it. They all died in faith without the realization of everything God had promised to Israel. Abraham never saw the Abrahamic promise fulfilled, but he received it by faith. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob all saw the promises from afar and rejoiced. By faith, Joseph decreed that his bones should be carried out of Egypt into the land of promise. And I find it so interesting that the Zionist visionary Theodore Herzl had similar faith to Joseph's. Herzl wrote in his will that he wished to be buried in the vault beside his father in Vienna until the Jewish people should take his remains to the new state of Israel. In 1949, his remains were reburied in Jerusalem on top of Mount Herzl, named in his memory. Well, the Hebrew patriarchs in the Bible died believing that God would make good on his promises to the following generations. For sure, Moses received an honorable mention in the Hall of Faith because he forfeited his position of power in Egypt to serve God's purposes. Verse 24 touches me whenever I read it. By faith, Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. 
He chose to suffer affliction along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. That's faith. With the eye of faith, Moses perceived the invisible God. By faith he kept the Passover and applied blood on the door so that the death angel wouldn't touch the firstborn of Israel. Hebrews 11 also mentions the faith exploits of the people of God when they passed through the Red Sea on dry land and when the walls of Jericho fell down flat. The power of faith enabled the exploits of the harlot Rahab and the military commanders and judges of Israel, Gideon, Barak, Samson, and so forth. King David and Samuel and the prophets through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises from God. The prophet Daniel shut the mouths of lions and his friends quenched the power of fire. Verse 35 says that women received back their dead. That's a reference to the woman of God in 2 Kings chapter 4, who by faith testified, it is well, despite the fact that her son had just died. Yet she had faith in the power of God, and the prophet Elisha raised her son back to life. Hebrews 11 goes on saying that others were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. This is a reference to the fate and execution of the prophet Isaiah. They were put to the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves. This brings to mind the life of John the Baptist, who lived by faith in the desert and who was beheaded in prison. The heroes of faith followed God's instructions rather than recanting or turning back. And how about us today? How strong are my convictions? How strong are yours? If a Heroes of Faith scroll is being written in heaven today, would your name be on it? You and I may think we could never attain to the levels of faith mentioned in Hebrews 11. But the next chapter, chapter 12, gives us a great admonition that biblical faith is obtainable by ordinary men and women everywhere. It says, therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, those mentioned in the Hall of Faith, plus many others who followed, therefore let us lay aside every weight, every encumbrance, and the sin which so easily besets us. And let us run with endurance the race, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. That's it. You see, Jesus is our ultimate example. He lived and died by faith with complete trust in the Father. When Jesus died the most horrible death, by faith he entrusted his spirit into the hands of the Father. So he's our role model. He trusted God to the very end. And for the joy set before him, by faith he endured the cross, despising the shame. And now he sat down on the right hand of the throne of God. 
So we have all of the heroes of chapter 11 as our role models, but also the greatest of all is Jesus himself, who took upon himself the form of a man. He entered the world and lived humbly in total submission to the Father, even being willing to die on the cross because he believed the promise of God that on the other side of the cross, after the resurrection, there would be eternal joy and many souls saved. It definitely took faith for Jesus to die the way he died, to make atonement for sinners. Jesus, Yeshua, lived and died in perfect faith. Therefore, he's the author, literally the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Well, what can we conclude today about faith and its exploits? We should pursue the spirit of faith because faith definitely makes men and women great. God graciously grants to all people a measure of faith, but we are stewards of our faith, and we can cause our measure of faith to grow in order to overcome great difficulties. True biblical faith is the source of all great spiritual achievements. By it, the elders achieved a good report. And in the New Testament, 1 John 5, 4, one of my favorite verses declares, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. You see, faith is not easily fooled and faith is not afraid. Faith tests everything. It tests every professed truth, every deception, every lying wonder by the litmus test of God's word. So now as we bring this program to a conclusion today, you may never have seen an angel. You may never have seen a vision of the Lord Jesus or a body raised from the dead. But concerning these matters, we have solid evidence in this Bible. We've been given satisfactory substance from God in his sacred word concerning everything we need to know. I want to say that saving faith is different from faith for miracles. Saving faith is directed to the Messiah, the Lord Jesus, as the savior of our soul. Saving faith is the true belief in the Lord Jesus Christ through which we're justified and may write with God. So I want to leave you with a verse that hopefully will assure you of possessing saving faith. Jesus promised in John 5, 24, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but is passed out of death into life. If you hear this word of scripture and believe in Jesus in your heart, the Bible promises that you'll be saved. That's good news for these last days. I confidently encourage you to put your faith in the one and only Savior, Jesus. Yeshua is his Hebrew name and always count on the faithfulness of God. I also want to invite you to stay in touch via the social media and also at our website, which you'll find at exploits.tv. And at our website, you can watch all of our videos and you can sign up for our electronic newsletter, Exploits. Please don't forget to download our Jerusalem Channel app at your favorite app store so you can watch our videos on your mobile devices and tablets. Our program is named after Daniel 1132, 
which says that in the last days, the people who know God will be strong, not weak, and will accomplish exploits. That means we'll take action. And that means we'll have the faith to take action. And so I hope that this encouragement today to build up biblical faith has helped you. And so until next time, always contending for the faith and praying earnestly for the peace of Jerusalem, I'm Christine Darg, Maranatha, and Shalom.